and welcome to the One Broke Actress Podcast. The One Broke Actress Podcast. The The One One Broke Broke Actress Actress Podcast. Podcast. This is the podcast giving you an honest account of actor life. I mean, can we just be honest for a second? Plus a few lessons I learned in the process. This is what I'm saying. Nobody knows anything. I'm your host, Sam Valentine. Hi guys, welcome to episode six of season four. Holy shit, episode six. That means we're halfway through this season. I... Mm, I was just going to say it feels like we just started, but I feel like I've been recording this season for about 16 freaking years. So (laughs) this is what happens before the podcast goes on. I record most of the episodes about two months before we play them, and then I play them one by one over, you know, a period of 12 weeks. So it kind of feels like it just started, but also I've been working on this since December. December planning and February recording. So thanks for being on this journey with me. Ooh, she dropped a journey. It's going to be a good one. Last week's episode with Kelly Phelan was awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I'm hoping to have more perspectives from that side of the world, from stunts, from um, other coordinators and stuff like that on next season. So if you know of a great one, recommend them to me. I think that's it for paperwork things. Make sure you are subscribed, rated, and reviewed of this podcast on your phone. It literally takes five seconds. And also, if you're listening right now on your phone, screenshot it, toss it up on your Instagram story, and tag me at One Broke Actress and at Sam Valentine because I love to know when you guys are listening and then I share it on my story and we all just feel like a little bit more of a community. Speaking of community, if you are not yet on the One Broke Actress email, go to onebrokeactress.com, click subscribe, get these emails in your inbox every other Sunday, once every two weeks. It's not even a big deal. I'm not even clogging up your inbox. And then you can reply back to me when I send you questions about the Solo Sam episode. Speaking of, God, her transitions are on point today. Speaking of, there is a Solo Sam episode coming out this Thursday. This week's topic I'm going to give you at the very end of this podcast, but it kind of has a lot to do with this week's podcast. So stay tuned till the end of this and make sure you're signed up for that email list. That being said, let's get into the podcast. Today's guest is Jessica Sherman. She is a casting director. She is an awesome, awesome philanthropist. She is just a really cool overall person. And she takes the time to talk to us today about everything from the casting process to the relationships between casting directors and actors, how it's long term. It's not just while you're in the room. Um, What makes a good self-tape, how to accept direction from a casting director in the room, And, oh my gosh, circling back to community, like we said earlier, how to find your community. Jessica is so, so open to sharing the behind the scenes of the casting director world. And she even tells us at the end of the episode how you can uh, tune in to watch her weekly Q&As that she does for actors, hopefully to just make this process a little bit easier for all of us. So without further ado, please enjoy Jessica Sherman. We'll just kind of kick it off with how were you ever in the acting world or how did this become your thing? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was never an actress. I never aspired to be an actress. I uh, It terrifies me. Public speaking terrifies me. So this was not something that I was like maybe one day. Um, but I, I always in my – I think it was like in high school, I always wanted to do like art – was it yeah R and D for like 
music mm-hmm. and, and to scout and stuff like that. And so I always had an interest in that kind of stuff. And I loved television and film and I was, I like watched everything. Um, and I have very traditional parents that didn't want me to do any of those things. Did you grow up here? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, yes. So, it's because they knew the industry, huh? <laughs> well, they, they had no clue was the thing. They just knew oh. that it was not a stable profession of any sort, really. Um, so, <laughs> they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They're, they're absolutely right. Um, and they're, uh, so I went to school for economics and business. I graduated. I did the whole check all of their boxes. Um, and then when I got, I was just about to graduate college, and a friend of the family worked in international distribution. And so she came to me at one of our family gatherings and was like hey I, you want it you're graduating you want an internship and I was like no it can't be that easy like that's cool <laughs> um and so I said yes but then when I got closer to actually doing the internship she kind of disappeared and so uh you know I think that was my first taste of Hollywood a little bit and uh but when I graduated I um I just figured like you know I'll try this out if she could figure it out I'll figure it out too and uh I got an internship at a different international distribution company can never say that word (laughs) um and then at a voiceover agency and very quickly I realized that the distribution company hired me to move their offices as an intern. Fun. Um, and then the voiceover agency, after about like two, maybe a month of data entry, they hired me as their office manager. And so I took that job. Oh, cool. Very quickly realized that the agency life is not for me. Um, I kind of was miserable there, but I love the actors that I worked with. And so that was kind of um, a taste into seeing uh, how an agent, this is more specific to voiceover, but mm-hmm. how an agent will cast an audition mm-hmm. because they have a little bit more control of who of their clients get seen because they just send in the audition versus yeah. asking for permission, basically. Right. Um, and so I saw this side of it and th- thought like, wow, that's really incredible. I've never thought about it like that, but that's so true. Yeah. Oh, I kind of wish other times that was true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole thing would be, uh-huh. it would be a different story. <laughs> Can you imagine? But and your um, agent's your casting director. Yeah, but then, um, but I thought like there's got to be a theatrical side to this because I was talking to the voiceover casting directors, you know, scheduling appointments and doing more um, administrative stuff. And so when I was seeing this and kind of exploring the theatrical side, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And because I loved working with the actors that were coming into the office, I was thinking like, this will be great. It'll be like the per- like the perfect transition. Um, and then into I, theatrical agency? Uh, theatrical vo- uh, casting. Oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. So I, I was like, agency, no. <laughs> <laughs> casting, maybe. Um, and so I, I figured out that I was going to pursue that and it took me a while to get in. But when I did, it was kind of a like killer experience. This might be an odd question, but what was so jarring about agency that wasn't so in, intense about the casting side? I mean, at the time, I just didn't know the casting side. There's a different, there's, you know, there's politics just the same mm-hmm. in casting that there is on the agency side. Um, it just looks a little different. Um, but here it was voiceover. And I thought like, wow, voiceover is so much fun. And the actors are so amazing. And they just come in and they have fun. And there's no, it's really a different kind of world because you like voiceover, you can't replicate, like you can't look like someone and that'll get you in the door. You have to do the thing and in order to be considered really. And it's very hard to replicate somebody else's work. Like it's very unique to the person that's doing it. And so there wasn't really 
like a competitive nature within the clients that would come in and see other voiceover actors coming into audition for the same role mm-hmm. um, because it's their thing that they're going to bring to it. You know, it's not a look or anything like that. Because you get to wear sweatpants. Exactly. <laughs> and no makeup and your hair is in a ponytail. I love, I love voiceovers. So, so much. the idea that you can come in and have so much fun and then the people that you're working for is, are taking it way too seriously. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was also not getting paid enough to deal with the stuff that I was doing. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, so it was it was that kind of jarring experience of like, this could be so fun if we didn't have to deal with this. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, it was just, it didn't make sense to me. I got it. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, yeah. so you got into the theatrical casting side from that way. Yeah. And then there is kind of a hierarchy. You go in the casting world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So can you kind of break that down? Because we have a lot of people who are just new to LA or new to the acting business. So they kind of understand the different places of the casting offices. Yeah. So just within the casting office, mm-hmm. it's the, the casting directors at the top of the hierarchy. Then you have the casting associate. Um, when I was an associate, my old boss would basically say that being a casting associate and a casting director is the same thing, except the casting director has the contacts. So you kind of, I mean, every office is different in Mm -hmm. terms of who's responsible for what, but I grew up in a space that it was like, you have to be able to do the casting director's job as an associate, but you just don't get the jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the assistant is below that and usually more administrative, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure everything is tidy around the office, uh, greeting the actors, making sure it's a safe space, all the, all of those. I mean, the safe space goes all the way to the top, but, right. um, but yeah, so that's kind of the hierarchy. And then if you have, if you're lucky enough to have an intern or, or something like that, that'll be bottom <laughs> tier, <'Cause> <laughs> but very important. Keep the list. Uh, so then you getting into this world, did you realize right away, like, this is something I want to do? Did anything about it really like spark your interest in that way or was it like oh here I am now <laughs> um I mean it was it was a crazy I got very lucky my first job in um I basically quit my my full-time job to because you couldn't I learned quickly that you couldn't make a lateral move from uh, office manager in voiceover to a casting assistant okay I had to go back and intern again so once I uh was a little ego dust off it was more financial I could deal with the ego but it was because you know I, I had to go to my parents and be like you know if if I don't work for a year with a paying job will you mm. support me and thankfully my parents lived in Santa Clarita so I could stay there oh you know so I had that support system but my dad basically told me that if you don't figure it out in a year you're going to law school so it's like (laughs) there was a fire under my ass ass. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there was like the law school is like the bad end of this the worst part is I would have been a terrible lawyer (laughs) like my parents somehow equate like being a lawyer with success I'm like I I could fail as a lawyer there's no you know that's funny that's very like a first generation family type of I feel like lawyer doctor situation yeah there yeah uh (laughs) and so I uh I quit my job I did a full-time internship for this office and I knew the casting directors and I knew that like one was there was a partnership for this particular project and one was a very big casting director for drama and the other one was a a big casting director comedy so I was like this is great I get in both worlds this is you know thinking I was um walking in as an intern for the remake of Little Darlings oh okay yeah Uh and I was like okay let's you know why not so um 
So I started with them. After two weeks, they hired me as their assistant. So that was a great start. Wow. Yeah. And then um, a couple weeks into it, still thinking I'm working on Little Darlings. Like everybody comes in freaked out, thinking, saying like, Steven's coming, Steven's coming. Like, send, like are, is everything ready? And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. Um, but then uh, I quickly learned that it was not Little Darlings and it was um, Super 8. Uh, Wait, how did that not come up? <laughs> well, they were keeping it so secretive that it wasn't until like they trusted you okay. for the most part that they're like, okay, we'll tell you what it is. Yeah. And so how that was that, my first job. That is, that is incredibly jarring <laughs> yeah. of two different things. Yeah. But it was, for me, the experience, like the transition into casting was mm-hmm. a little, um, I was a little unsure because when I came in, I was used to, you know, the same 50 actors, 60 actors coming in every week yeah. and being like, this was so much fun. And then I'm now in this office with three other people that are so not like they're way more experienced. I know nothing about what I'm doing. And, um, uh, and I was like, did I make a mistake? Cause uh-huh. it's such a different environment. Like this is not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. And I didn't realize until, you know, later, or maybe a week or two later that we hadn't really started the casting process yet. Wait, what had you been doing? We had just been doing prep. Because what what had happened was this movie had started a year before, and it went on hold. And so they did a bunch of work then, and now they're picking it up again. And obviously, all the kids that they had seen then are kind of aged out of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like organizing and re, like figuring it all out again. And it was not just like a normal movie. It was we were doing international search for these kids and so it was a whole like it was the best place to learn because we were doing everything you really got thrown in the fire yeah (laughs) what while I remember this question what does the process since you started this of casting look like because if you were in the office working Mm -hmm. for weeks and you didn't know what the project was you were working on what, it could, open the curtain. Tell us like, what the heck you guys are doing. <laughs> well, you know, that was a, such a specific experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if I was the associate or casting director on a project, I would know what it is. Right, right. Um, so it's more, um, it, you know, you start, you, and kids are so different. This is like, it's such a very specific experience. But if you're doing anything, mm-hmm. let's just say it's, you know, 20s to 30s you're looking for a couple of character or a couple of roles it's you know you you first start with the actors that you uh, know already that are right for the role you kind of prioritize it so you you start with a list of those actors you check their availabilities to see if they're even available for the project um, meanwhile you release a breakdown um, the breakdown then you know you're inundated with emails and phone calls at this point and the breakdown (laughs) itself. And then you go through that, you narrow things down, you add all those people to your list, and then you start prioritizing of who you're going to see for casting that you haven't met before or you're not quite sure if they're the right fit. Um, And you're simultaneously uh, organizing producer or director sessions as well. So you're kind of doing those two things at the same time. Um, Movies, you have a little bit more time to find what you're looking for. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, everything kind of happens in waves. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're sending your, this round of selects to the team, seeing if they respond to anybody. The next week you're do, kind of doing it again. Um, television is a little bit different. You're, it's a lot faster paced. Right. Um, I have three days of sessions for all of the roles for the episode and I send everything off to the producers, the selects from those sessions. And, if, and hopefully they like somebody. Um, if not, then we'll, go, we'll kind of expand our search again and see if we've missed okay. anybody. So what? how many selects are sent then? Like when you see a group of actors for maybe this guest star, for example, 
Um, and then you send it off to the production team, I'm assuming, yeah, director, so it's, producers. If you're television, it's usually the director of the episode, the uh, showrunner, the line producer, and I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. That, so those, that's the team that we send it to. I have mostly worked on shows that do not shoot in LA. So we'll also have, you know, a Canadian counterpart or someone who's in the South or working with us. And so, um, each like my team and that person's team will send about five to seven choices per role per region. Um, cause yeah, it's, I think the producers and the team, they have a lot going on, so we don't want to overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, if you think about how many roles there are potentially, that is enough to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what we'll typically do is I'll usually make a list of maybe five um, offer-only actors who are no longer auditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll do about five to seven, maybe ten if I can't decide, um, <laughs> of actors who have either ta- come in in person or self-taped. Okay. I have so many questions. <laughs> We're going to take this slow. And please feel free to like expound on things as we go. Yeah. Um, so when you have an actor come in for a role, say you uh, haven't met them before, mm-hmm. you film their tape, you have another ha- actor who comes in, um, maybe you're a little more familiar. They have two similar, like similar takes, similar types. Mm-hmm. If they're both good candidates for the job, will those both most likely go to selects? Or is it like... Do you tend to lean on people you know and trust, or is that more just for auditioning purposes? Um, I, I it's would kind of a tough question. Yeah, I personally, I would send both of them mm-hmm. um, because it's you know uh, my job is to create a palette for the director to choose from. Um, so if this is like an, it could be an introduction for me as well of this person, and that doesn't make them any less good than the person that I already know. Yeah. So it's just a matter of you know having the time to get to know those people. Um, I th- I think the thing that I do lean on is if if the director will ask me like, is this person able to get to this point? I obviously don't have the background information for the other actor, so I, I can't speak, speak knowingly about that. But then I can say, you know, I've seen this other actor grow over so many years or, you know, what, what have you, or I know they're capable of this, you know. So so you can, like, vouch for them, basically. Yeah. Have you ever pulled old footage for actors? Oh, yeah. Yeah? It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Wait, so because yeah. you guys keep it most of it, mm-hmm. right, from yeah. auditions? Yeah. So if a director's like, I also I would love to see, and you guys can pull old stuff. From yeah, if, if there's a quality that... That's, not, that's missing from their audition mm-hmm. and and they you know didn't think they had enough time to ask the actor to do it again with this in mind or whatever it is I'll be like well th- I had this role that I auditioned them for like two years ago if you want to watch this so actually just um I'm working on a project right now that it's a comedy and I'm so so happy about Yay. that um but I there's an actor that I've been auditioning for the last seven years and I've never been able to book him and finally like before he even came in the room he did this I probably shouldn't even say it, but <laughs> he did this great uh pitch for himself to audition for star wars and it was so funny and it's just it's just him as a person like a self-tape not even a self-tape as a a like we all knew him before Uh so he just wasn't exactly right for what we were looking for but he was so desperate to audition for star wars that he made this huge pitch of how he's like a uk citizen and that his family is all from england and so all of this stuff and it was such an endearing and it was funny and via email or something yeah he just put it together at home and and 
and his manager sent it over and it was hysterical. So on this project that I'm working on now, before he even came in, when I just had the idea of him, I got so excited about it that I was like, to my producers, we were sitting together. I was like, you have to watch this tape. And so I showed them his little pitch video and they like immediately loved him. And then he like came in a couple of times to do chemistry reads and the rich initial read and all that stuff. And then they ended up booking him. So it was ah, so that's awesome. it was so exciting to be like, we did it. Finally. <laughs> <Got you. laughs> yeah. That makes me so happy because a lot of times and I've had a cast and directors on the show before, but the more often I do, it feels like it really just makes us a community because yeah. sometimes it feels so actors on this side of the room and it's like an eighth grade dance boys and girls yeah. like actors casting and behind the scenes and uh it, to know that people are rooting for you is oh, yeah. just a different type of feeling I think I mean we definitely it, it takes time for us to get to know you and yeah. and also what is t- what does that mean too because sometimes I feel like I'll go into a casting office and I'll read like a page and then I'll go in later and I'll read like two lines. Like what is what is the time to get to know? Do you feel like it's a, an over years yeah, span? I think I think the thing that is not thought of often when you come into a casting director's office is that it ha- all has to happen right now. It's like now or n- never. But really the relationship between an actor and a casting director is a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're constantly thinking of you hopefully and we're trying to find the opportunities. So I think... The mentality of it's the us versus them is not necessarily the right one. I think we get, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of actor friends that have had not so great experiences going into casting. It exists. I'm not going to bullshit by any means. Um, But there are a lot of casting directors that are really excited to get actors opportunities and to be their advocates and champions. And I think it doesn't help that pop culture only depicts us in one specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like we're breaking through that barrier. Yeah, slowly. <laughs> but the only time that I've ever seen like humanity in a casting director is in the first episode of Glow. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God. Like she, it's still hard, but now you see our side of it. <laughs> the one where she's auditioning and she read the man's yes. <laughs> Allison Brie did. Yeah, but when she when that. she tracks the casting director into the bathroom, oh, and yes, she comes yes, yes. out and like there was that whole moment where it's like you know we try and we they say they want one thing, but you end up with another. And even though we showed exactly what they wanted. Like it sometimes it just doesn't work, mm-hmm. and so I think that that was like my favorite moment, like I've ever seen of a casting director in a movie or TV show because it's like there's a little bit of humanity behind us. It's not we're just we're not all the villains of all of the stories. <laughs> that would actually have been fun to audition for a casting yeah, director right. with a casting director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you in, in terms of getting to know actors? Do you watch a lot of reels? Like when uh, in the submission process, mm-hmm. can you kind of walk us through? You've got the breakdowns, selects, like, because the back end of, like, we, our actors' access and breakdown services can be kind of a clusterfuck <laughs> for us. Um, yeah, I don't know what it looks like on your end, but for me... I'll show you. It's right? not as cool <laughs> as yours, I'm great. sure. Um, for me, I look through all the submissions. I'm not, like, a, you know, talk to my five favorite people and call it a day. I look through everything. Um, pictures are huge for me, that your default. Um, I'm big person of not typecasting and not pigeonholing yourself. So if you don't want other people to put you in a box, don't do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Your default picture should be the most natural, neutral 
version of yourself because otherwise it's like you're not even giving us a chance to use our imagination Amazing. yeah so I think that that's like the first thing if I'm looking for something very specific if I, there's a prototype I'm working with like I'm gonna keep an eye on the pictures um and then please 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 have your demo reel posted with your stuff because for me I'm like I am big on material. Like, I need to see it. Um, and if, if you don't have it there, I, I don't have time to chase it. How detrimental is it to actors if you're casting a comedy and all they have is, like, a dramatic reel? How important is it to have the specific pieces? And do you like them cut? I like them to be separate, drama yeah. and comedy to be separate. Um, I... I like to think I don't have a ton of comedy experience because we also get typecast as if we haven't done comedy, we can't do comedy. I've heard that. Yeah. But you're going to break through But I'm, I'm slowly getting there, yes. Um, but yeah, so I think it's actually more interesting for me because I don't have the comedy experience. I know the, the main players and I know, but within like the LA community, I'm educating myself all the time. So I think I'm more willing to see people who are not the as expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I, I, my first call of actors that I brought in for the director, um, were most of my drama guys for this particular project. So and I was, bet they had a blast. They did. It. And also I learned so much about those actors because I didn't know they had that side of them because right. they are also usually drama actors. And so it was so fun to see these, these, these guys come in and totally ad lib and have fun and chem, you know, it was really, it was a great experience for me to be like, it doesn't have to look a certain way. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to have those box check boxes checked already. Yeah. You know? So So. when you were looking at their stuff, did they have comedy reels in place? No. Okay. So it's not the most outlandish thing if you don't have the specific reel type. Right. I mean, I think if you can have it, if you can even, I'm a big person of like, if you don't have a a professional demo reel, have a really nice looking self tape. Okay, great. I was just going to ask you that. I need to see something mm-hmm. better than just a picture or these slate shots that I don't understand. But because, I mean, it may work for some people in terms of like getting a, like a five second peek into your personality. <laughs> but for me, it's like, it tells me nothing about your abilities. I hate slate shots, but <laughs> I was told that you have to have them because it keeps you on the first page of submissions. Just having a demo reel has, does that. What? Yeah, because uh, I don't know about the first page of submissions. Because like I, I've we, heard it like you can if you reorder them at any time as well. Photo demo slate. Those are like you have to have those to like get hit on the very top of. Are they spreading lies? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> All I can say is that if you have a demo reel, you're already towards the top of the okay. submission chunk. Okay. Um, if you have nothing, you're immediately at the last page. Right. So one, do yourself a favor and don't be on the last page. Please have a demo reel. Um, slate shot. I know you get a free one. If you're going to do it, do it for the free one. I mean, you get one free one and they have to pay $5 per picture after that. Yeah. I would just say <laughs> embrace the free one and have a demo reel. Okay, great. That's really good to know. <laughs> so you go into that site and you look through all the things like when you, I've seen the back end for mm-hmm. you guys, um, like clicking on the photo, scrolling through the different images on there. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you have seen that you wish that we knew about that back end other than having just video? Um, like think anything we're missing as actors 
because I think sometimes there's some common pitfalls that we fall into about our, like, do you look at the resume section? Yeah, I absolutely look at the resume. I look at training. Okay. Training is really important. I'm a huge improv person awesome. that I think it's hugely important to have. I think it immediately puts, bumps you up in my brain. If you have the training, whether you're dramatic or comedic, mm-hmm. um, do you care about the special skills? I mean, if I'm looking for something special, but (laughs) other than that, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't really matter. Like, don't lie that you can ride a horse bareback if you've never been on an animal in your life. (laughs) That can be dangerous when you, if you book the role and you can't, I just heard a story the other day that somebody was, I don't know, it was like a Western or something. And somebody, the actor said that they could, and then they fell off the first and like broke their ankle or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was a, I, I can't remember who told me the story, but it was a whole thing because we were talking about actors that lie about their special skills. <laughs> it was an actor who told me the story, so oh it's not, yeah. No, that's a thing. That's a thing people do. Yeah. I'm like, how are you going to learn that in a day? Okay, so the back end, so have a demo reel, have have videos, have because yeah. I I think that's one of my comedic things is a self tape that I just have up there. Like yeah, a well a well lit self tape. <laughs> yeah. And audio is good, I'm hoping. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There was a microphone involved. Great. <laughs> Speaking of self-tapes. Yes. Ooh. They're still challenging in very different ways for most actors. Uh, some people love them. Some people hate them. I'm trying to fall in love with them personally because I love that I have, you know, unlimited time, quote unquote, as long as my reader will play with me. Right. Um, but then again, I love being in a room because I love working with someone who is working on the project right. and knows the cadence of the line, like a good casting director reader. Yeah. Um, how do we do better at self-tapes? <laughs> um, I think just inherently or... <laughs> From the basics, just, like lighting, background, yeah. Backdrop, have, I mean, it could be a piece of fabric behind you. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be anything fancy, just a solid color. We, I'm, I have slate gray in my room. Um, lighting, if you can get a lighting kit, I mean, it's a great investment as an actor. Um, Amazon's wonderful for mm-hmm. that. I'll link my lighting <laughs> kit in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and then, um, if you're, if you're going to, I used to work on Bates Motel and we had a, ha- mm-hmm. we had a lot of scenes that were like outside in the woods and stuff like that. And some of the self tapes would come back and be outside, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, the lighting is beautiful and natural. And the only problem is I could hear traffic in the background oh. and, um, and I couldn't really hear the actor. So if there's any, qu- if you're going to get creative, you know, get a boom or a mic set or something like okay. that. Um, but otherwise, inside's fine as well. Um, you can just make sure if you're watching it back and there's any question that you can't hear yourself, do not send it in. It will mm-hmm. not do anybody any favors. Um, so, yes, we can see you. We can hear you. Um, <laughs> framing is about mid, mid-bust mid up. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a full body frame the entire time. I get a lot of self-tips from New York that are like that. Really? Uh, yes, I think, I you know. I don't have a wall in my house big enough right. that I can do a full body frame without furniture <laughs> right. in the picture. But uh, I understand the mentality because of the idea of, like, if you're a theater performer, a theater actor, it's the whole body that's involved in the uh, that performance. Um, in this case, we need your face. So just a little bit closer <laughs> is important. Um, uh, you know, I think those are, like, the broad strokes of it. I don't send a bajillion takes. If you're going to do more than one take, only do two and uh, make sure they're different. Okay. Um, label your takes, label your, <laughs> put your name on it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's do you a, care about the video itself having the label, like the 
text oh, like in the te- corner or something um, like that? It, it's helpful just so when we open it, we know exactly who we've got if mm-hmm. we've never met before. Um, it's not a, I don't think it's a must as okay. long as you have a slate associated with it and the clips itself uh themselves are labeled with your name on it those are the most important parts i think do you like clips together or separate if you're doing more than one take separate them because we're gonna i'm not gonna send both takes to producers if we're sending it i'm only gonna send your best take great um yeah and make sure you have a downloadable reel Mm -hmm. somewhere that that would be the thing i would put in your actor's access if you don't have because uh, sometimes it's finicky for us to download from uh, Actors Access or Breakdowns. So even if you can put like a link to a, a downloadable version in your notes, cool. that's helpful. Oh, good to know. Yeah. I don't even know if, how to tell if it's downloadable. Um, <laughs> I'll search. I'll yeah. search, guys. I'll if put it's something Vimeo, in the show notes too. If it's on a web, your website, mm-hmm. I don't know. But if it's on Vimeo, then it's you can usually, I think it's like an upgraded like premium thing, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you can do it downloadable. Well, you can save the money on your slate shots and use it on Vimeo instead. <laughs> There's that. Um, <laughs> I, I've spent a lot of time in self-tapes being self-conscious about uh, if I'm traveling, finding a space, and I'm like, there's a light switch literally right here, and I'm like doing, you know, something for David Fincher. <laughs> like, yeah. It feels weird, but I mean, it doesn't bother you that much. It doesn't matter, I don't think. As long as, if we, as long as we can hear you, see you, and there aren't any distractions in the tape, mm-hmm. and your reader is not incredibly loud, that's important. It's like making sure they know that it's your audition and not theirs. Um, I think that's great, because otherwise, if David Fincher's watching, he can get super distracted by the reader's voice, mm. you know? So I think it's just kind of being aware of those little things. Got it. But yeah. is it good to hear the reader at all? Like I think if a there's, little, yeah. Because okay. even when I, when I have auditions in my room, the actor's mic'd up, mm-hmm. um, but you can still catch what the other person is saying cool but please have a reader that's all i that's i, I beg of, of actors just have a reader do you get self-tapes without readers well i th- this is like yes i do um <laughs> where it's just one side of the actor doing oh, the thing no. but then the other version of it is where the actor will pre-record the other lines and it, it's like you lose pacing and it's also you're not connected with anybody like i, and, I feel like that gets a little robotic i feel it like does. i don't know if you could and it could have been an amazing read, but we'll just never know. I so have a reader. <laughs> have a reader. There's great online websites now where you can actually yes. have someone Skype I in. I just discovered one. Like we aud- is it we audition. Yeah. Yeah. So the the founder of that Darren was on this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And he introduced it to us, and they they do really cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of different. Th- like I was when he was just giving me the rundown of it. I was like, wow, you have general meetings on this thing too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're going we're gonna to pop all over. Do you still do general meetings? For me, it's mostly um, international actors that are okay. not based in L.A. Okay. Because if I just did it with everybody, I would never have time to actually cast anything. Mm-hmm. So um, unless it's like, yeah, mostly just people that are not based here. Because if you're here, I can bring you in at any time. Right. That are coming in with credits. Is that kind oh, of what you mean? Oh, for generals? Yeah. Typically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can just bring anyone in anymore. <laughs> You know. I feel like that was like back in the day. But someone told me recently they went in on a couple of generals. I was like, for what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like when, if someone is local and they're going in on generals, they usually know somebody who knows somebody. Mm-hmm. Would be somebody set that up. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we have the self-tapes. We have their back end of Actors Access. Let's talk a little bit about um, casting office. Mm-hmm. Um, 
respect and politeness yes. and things like being on time and or oh, yeah. um, requesting time changes and things like that. So when you have your, um, you know, 20, 30 actors, mm-hmm. uh, how many do you see for like an average TV guest star? Oh, um, guest star. Yeah, I think probably about 30 people. Okay. Yeah. Is that how Maybe much you'd see actually. for like a co-star too? Co-star, I tend to see more people Okay, because they're harder to cast. Why is that? Because there are fewer lines and everybody who comes in wants to make a meal out of it. And I think the thing that, you know, a lot of actors forget when you, also, also it's such a precious opportunity to the person that's getting the opportunity to come in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think nerves are high and they want to make an impression. And, um, you kind of forget that when you're watching TV or a movie, those one-liners should not stand out. It should feel as organic and natural as possible, like you're just walking past somebody on the street. So sometimes you come in with the wrong energy, and it's just harder to get what you need on the casting side of things, so you end up seeing more actors for it. God, that is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was just in the hallway yesterday for a co-star, and there was a lot of nervous energy, and I was like, you guys. Yeah. This and again, that's that, op- that's that mentality of like, it's all or nothing today or it'll never happen again. <laughs> and then you get in the room and you can't remember the one line. All, I'm like, yeah. why did I check my script again? <laughs> I know what the seven words I'm about to say. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 20 to 30 people for a guest star then, for example. Um, then you reach out to the agent specifically for the call times. And do you ever put things on breakdown services or, uh, I'm sorry, on actors access or you pretty much just send to agencies? Um, I'm primarily agencies, mm-hmm. uh, management companies. Uh, the only time I'll do actors access is when I am looking for something very specific and I'm having a hard time finding it. Got it. So got we'll it, do it. like an open search, basically. Those special skills coming yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> or um, there's a project I'm going to be working on that's like you, we need um, a 17-year-old Latinx, like um, uh, obese girl. And it's mm-hmm. a very underrepresented, mark, like, you know, the agencies, there's only like three agencies that responded to my breakdown originally. So wow. it's like, I really need to spread it out there because I'm not going to, I'm not going to find it with, you know, the three agents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you send a breakdown, um, to agencies and management companies, mm-hmm. um, specifically, or does it just go to breakdown services and it, they give you calls? Uh, no. So it's released on Breakdown Express okay. and all the agents and managers have access to it and they can submit. And then through that process, like when we see it, we see it based on the agency or the management company that submitted every actor is an individual thing. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of, every office has a different set, setup of like, you know, there's numbers one through six, I think, under every actor's face. Mm-hmm. And you can, your system of organization based on like, number one, people are offer onlys and two are the people you want to see for the director. And mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has a different way to coordinate, like organize their office. Yeah. And then you give, so let's say we are arranging 10 actors for tomorrow to come in for mm-hmm. a guest star. You have um, them, their dates based, uh, confirmed with their agencies, that kind of thing. Um, let's talk about how actors sometimes change their times and, um, <laughs> can't get to an office. So first of all, I, I, I try so hard not to give an actor less than 48 hours with material. 
which is amazing. Yeah. I'll try for more if I can, if I can make it happen, Mm -hmm. but I won't do a 24 hour turnaround if I can avoid it, unless it's like the 11th hour and we're making a decision over the weekend and I can only see you on Friday. Sometimes I'm kind of into that though, because I don't (laughs) think it's hard and I just go and (laughs) the last thing I booked was because I had audition, I got the audition two hours before it started. Right. (laughs) It makes it a little less like, you know, overthought, but, um, but yeah, so the the time thing is very frustrating and it's it's not just the actor like i don't think it's just the actor's fault i think it's a lot of communication issues with mm-hmm. agency management because what happens especially on my first day of sessions is i will make an entire day of sessions and then at the 11th hour i like two days later i'll get oh she's out of town oh um uh, she needs to self tip cuz she can't come in oh we need to change the time oh can she come in two days later so it's like we get all these things and now I have these holes in my session that could have gone to actors that actually are available and now they're just missed opportunities because mm. nobody is getting to us on time. The actors are maybe not communicating to their reps on, in a timely fashion. So it, like that's a very frustrating part for me. It's like, And then the, the worst part of it is when I've changed times three, two or three times already. Like we've rescheduled a couple times. I couldn't make it in at the 11th hour usually. Uh-huh. Um, and then all of a sudden like, oh – he didn't connect with the material, so he's going to pass. And I'm like, you've literally wasted so much of my time and, and other actors, actors who wants to be there. Yeah, it's an opportunity. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's very, yeah. Uh, how, what is the, the cutoff point of which someone should let you know? Like, obviously, it involves them getting back to their representation and the representation getting back to you guys mm-hmm. <clears throat> if it if it happens pretty immediately um I'm sure that's doable oh yeah but at the same time we are often told and this could just be from reps that the audition times are unmovable mm-hmm. and I understand callback times because a lot of times there's a chemistry or that, yeah. that kind of thing um for audition times is it pretty hard and fast make your time happen um I mean, that's the ideal from our side. Listen, we can make your life a little bit better today. Um, <laughs> Tell yeah. people yes. I, I, I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, th- I mean, it's also a, an office-to-office basis. Some might be very inflexible with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because they just need to make it happen. Um, I tried to be a little bit more flexible. Um, I'll reschedule once or twice if we need to. But if it gets excessive, I'm like, the, I can't rely. If I can't rely on this person to come into audition, how can I rely on them to come, to do the job? Mm, such a good point. So it gets me a little bit frustrated and uneasy about then hiring said person. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I'll deal because it's like at the the bottom line is I need to get the best actor for this role. Mm-hmm. And if I'm if I because I just get frustrated if I don't give that actor the opportunity, I'm maybe doing a disservice to the project. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you have to grin and bear it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know because sometimes it feels like oftentimes I, I'll have to cancel work to go to yeah. an audition. And sometimes I'm like, oh, this audition's costing me so much money right. and it gets me really bummed. Yeah. I think you definitely I, don't want to make a habit out of it. But yeah. you definitely, like, I, you know, I'll, I'll get asked a lot is, is there a window? Is there a window the actor can come in? Yes. Is that um, an annoying question? Um, for me personally, I can deal with it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not as. But it's like the thing that drives me crazy is if I have a if I have an actor scheduled for three p.m. and they show at two p.m. That's annoying to me. Because <laughs> it's like, what if I was 
what if I had a lunch meeting or what if I, you know, whatever it is, what if I was in the middle of something and now you feel like you can just show up an hour early to my house basically and be like, I'm here, let's do it. (laughs) So I think I, I appreciate someone who's showing up 15 minutes early to make sure that they make their time. I was just going to ask you, so what's the, what's the most courteous thing actors can do? Like what's a lovely experience with an actor coming into your office 15 minutes early? Yes. 15, obviously do what you got to do to make sure you, you know, you have enough time to park, to find the place. If you haven't been there before, you know, all of those things show up early enough that you, you don't feel stressed about coming to the audition for those reasons. Um, but I think at most 15 minutes is, is plenty early Mm -hmm. to sit in my lobby. Um, (laughs) And, uh, I think the idea of, uh, having an audition and coming in with the mindset of like interacting like normal human beings, um, is very important to me because like, I love what I do because I get to work with actors. I don't want to feel like a super uncomfortable, rigid experience every single time I do an audition. (laughs) Like I am there, like the whole, as humans, I think the important thing is to like connect with people and grow through our lifetime. Which is the process we actors signed up to do. Right. (laughs) So for me, it's like, I want this to be a like a delightful experience for everyone in the space and and that's important to me so i want us to do well like we want to make your job so easy like you found her i'm so like i get so excited about this stuff so it's i think it's really important to just come in with the mentality that you know you're you you as an actor is coming are coming in to have an opportunity to do the thing that you love in the room Mm -hmm. not necessarily to book the job because the minute you're there of like oh, if I get this job, uh, then I can like buy this. Or if I get this job, it's going to mean I'm going to be a celebrity or whatever it is. Um, because the minute that happens, you're already disconnected from the material. Right. So it's not going to happen because of your state of mind. So think, be in the moment, be present, take a breath before you come in, ground yourself, do whatever you can, ask questions before you come in. I mean, before you start. Mm-hmm. Like my thing is like, we slate. I'll ask you if you have any questions. It's not a trick question. I'm genuinely here to answer any questions you have to make your choices. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have them, great. Let's do it. If you do, please ask. Don't be afraid. Love that. You know? Because, um, again, I want this to be the last audition for this role that I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see yes. 400 people for a role that should take 15. Do you like when actors come in and they are – already embodying the role. I'm sure you've seen it before, especially if it's like a super intense role mm-hmm. or a very specific type of personality yeah. for a role. Uh, do you, some actors I know choose to slate as like already in character, character yeah. and all that stuff. What are your thoughts on that? I think do whatever is going to help you stay in it. Great. Um, but also stop doing it when the scene is o- like when the audition is over because it's like I, I again I w- would like to connect as humans as well mm-hmm. so like to be able to come out of it once and just you know so you want to see the real human side yeah. of actors okay yeah it doesn't like shoot you in the foot <laughs> no okay. sometimes we're afraid to be ourselves no. Jessica <laughs> I think that's important that side of you is important for us to know about as well right you know because it's also one of those things that we're, like people come into the room and they're like on their best behavior and then we hear horror stories later of like how they were on set or whatever it is. But I want to like get to know an actor on a personal level as well mm-hmm. so I know who I'm sending to set. Does that stuff get back to you oh, yeah. when things are on set? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Even mm. when they're not our sets. Ooh. <laughs> 
and they talk, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Bad news travels very quickly. <laughs> Especially in Hollywood. Yeah. So when actors are in the room, mm-hmm. what connects you? You talked about the human connection. Is there something that, that I mean, even you can describe that when an actor is in front of you, you're like, oh, thank you. That was it. This yeah. is it. Like what makes a good read in your office? Oh, that's so... That's a very complicated question. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... The read itself is, you know, being prepared, Mm -hmm. knowing the material, asking the questions. If you And I... Obviously, this, again, is very uh, office-specific, but I grew up in an office where it was okay to call ahead if you had questions. And so that's the mentality that I grew up with, and that's what I have, too. So... Doesn't it make the performances better if actors come in with all the information up front? And also... Yeah, so that's the one thing I think it's very important. If you have questions that are going to help you make the decisions and choices you need in the scene, like it is your agent and manager's responsibility to ask those questions on your behalf. Or, you know, for me, I don't even want to talk to agents and managers because there's so much that can get lost in translation Mm -hmm. that I'm like, just have them call the office. Oh, amazing. And I will talk to you directly and we'll talk through the scene. Um, So that is hugely important for me. The other thing is when I even though it may not make sense to you in the moment, um, when I'm giving you direction, please take the direction. Do not fight me on the direction because it doesn't make sense. The thing is, is that one, things might have changed since the breakdown has been released. Um, And we've had... such a good point that no one's ever said out loud. Nobody knows what, you know, we've already had two days of sessions and this isn't working. So let's try this. So I think that's an, a really important thing to know in the room. We're not out to to sabotage you. I promise. It makes <laughs> that idea in itself makes my job more challenging. So you know, listen to the direction. The other thing is that you don't know, like especially for series, you don't know where this character is supposed to go as the actor down the road. Right. So I may be giving you a direction that doesn't make sense for this scene, but it's because I need to be able to see a certain quality that this character will have in six episodes. And you just don't have the time to truly explain that in the room. Yeah, and there's also you. no material that will justify it that I have access to right now. Oh my God, that is such a good... You just blew my mind because <laughs> that makes so much sense. And it's it's hard to, in the moment when you're like, this is like this is my priority as an act. Like, I need to do this so well. It, 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 I think it, people can't understand that in the space, mm-hmm. you know? So it's coming in with the mentality of like, we're doing this together. We're moving in the same direction. Our goal is the same. I want to book the best person. You want to be the best person. You know, that idea already kind of puts the right energy in this, in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's like, we, you know, we have the same goal. So if I'm giving you a note, take it. So if that actor came back for a callback, mm-hmm. Let's say, and they were doing the scene, which take did they kind of do? Should they do the one that you gave a note on or should we do our original take? Because that's, we're always told to do the same thing in a callback. So kind of where do you come from in that? Typically, um, so I. And this would be a good time, I guess, to ask a question before you went in the room. Yes. Okay. Yes. But also normally I will let the actor know ahead of time. Of what, like, make You're sure you do. You're a really do. good casting director. I need to work with more people like you. I just think communication is very important. It is. It changes the whole game yeah. to be on the same page. Go on. Yeah. I'm so no. excited to talk to you. <laughs> no, I think, so I, if we do an adjustment and it's, if 
usually I would say the safe place is to do the read that you did with the adjustment. Okay. Um, and sometimes if, if I'm having pre-reads with somebody and I know I'm seeing the director tomorrow, mm-hmm. I'll tell them in the room, like, I'm bringing you back in for the director tomorrow. Like, are you available? One. Um, and two, make sure you do this. Like, you have this in mind. They'll usually play in the room anyways with the director. So it's, you know, there is, it's, it's open to interpretation mm-hmm. when you get there. But I, I, I will always try to communicate as much as possible being like, do this version of it. Or I'll talk to the agent ahead of time and be like, the same information, basically. Cool. Yeah. Words. <laughs> Such good stuff. Okay, two last questions. Okay. One, is there any story that comes to mind as a standout edition that was either ridiculously bad or ridiculously amazing that come to mind? Or if you have one of either. Oh, any we can bad. take out all details that have to do with the project <laughs> and or specific actor. Um the good one, I will start with the good. Um because I um don't know exactly what the bad. Oh, I do have a bad one. Never mind. Um, <laughs> well, that happened very quickly. Uh, no, the so the good one was um, on Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, we were having a very difficult time finding our con, um, and I think we had pushed production at this point because we still like we still didn't have it, and we had to we worked through the holiday, and we were shooting oh, wow. in January basically. This past. No, this, this is was like, older, right? Because oh. this new Star Trek is the new. Okay, yeah, it's been a it's been a while. Okay. Maybe twelve even. Um, yeah, it was the one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, right, right, right. okay. So we didn't have Benedict yet, <laughs> um, and we had read a lot of guys, and they they all did wonderful jobs. It just wasn't the right fit, um, and everybody came in and kind of did the same version of the character, where some it was he was like the ultimate villain, and and. Um, it just, it, nothing really stood out like the way we, we wanted it to. And then finally, kind of in, again, in the 11th hour, um, we got to open up the role a little bit more because we weren't finding, based on what we were looking for at the time. Um, and we had Benedict tape over the weekend, like over the holiday break, basically. And this shows you nothing, it doesn't have to be fancy for a self-tape. Um, he literally was sitting at a friend's like kitchen table uh on an iPhone and, you know, in the kitchen, um, doing the self tape. And he did it in such a unique way that like, you know, instead of getting very arch and very mustache twirly Mm -hmm. with this villain, like in the middle of the scene, he was crying and it was so like, you just kind of took your breath away when you were watching it. It was so insane, um, that you just knew this was like the special version of it. And so we we just booked him right away, basically. And oh, then we were shooting right right afterwards. <laughs> that's so yeah. cool. And that's like that's the cool. Th- and I think I have and I have another good one too. On the last yeah. um, project that I the, the TNT series I worked on, um, we were looking for like a, a serial killer, kind of more like a Ted Bundy kind of guy, okay. where he was a little bit more charismatic and good looking. And we read a, a lot of guys, and they were all again, lovely. Any one of them could have gotten the job, but then we got the self-tape from Australia. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> no. Um, uh, but he, he like just, it was, there was, there's something to be said about the perfect actor for the role. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when, when you see it, you know, you know, so it's, that's why these questions of like, what makes the perfect audition um, so complicated and, and hard to answer. It's because, they could be a gr- it could be a great audition. It j- you just weren't 
100% right for the role. It wasn't the perfect fit. Yeah. And so when you do see it, you're like, oh, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know? It pops. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's, again, not to say that any of those actors couldn't have done the job. It's just this was exactly right. It's got to be a cool feeling. It really is. Because like, yeah, this, this last one, today. like when we got the tape, my associate and I were, I was like, come over here, watch this. And she was, li- she had just made a bag of popcorn and she was literally like <laughs> shoveling popcorn into her mouth while I couldn't take my eyes away from the screen. And it was just like, you know, it was so obvious that you just have to you go with it. You and know? that's exactly the goal, right? Yeah. To just have people watching and be enthralled. Completely captivated. Yeah. Okay, so hit, me with, my, that, I hit mean, me with the, the hard bad, stuff. The bad one, I mean, I've had, you know, uncomfortable auditions before where, like, it's, sometimes it's, this happens a lot with gentlemen where they come in trying to woo the casting director. Oh, this already feels gross. It, yeah, it's not comfortable for anybody involved. And so, it, and it just gives you a slimy feeling. So that's one of the things, or just creating an uncomfortable energy in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one, and I kind of covered this already, one of the actors I saw for the same TNT series, um, for the same role, came in, and um, and I'd never met him before. This was like, I was like, he has a cool look, his material's good, like, let's try it out. And um, he came in, and he, he had like a weird energy, but I was like, it's fine, you know, it's a serial killer role. Maybe it's something to Just do with that. He's doing. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. And so I gave him a note before he started about the last couple lines in the, in the scene, mm-hmm. just being like, just so you know, this, those are not throwaway lines. They mean something like this person he's talking about. He cares about deeply and he misses that person. And, and he goes, That's a gold mine of information. Right. So he kind of looks at me and he was like, so who was the person? And I said, well, I, I can't tell you that because it's literally the entire arc of our season. Um, and he looked at me and was like, um, so you want me to do the job to get or to audition, but you don't want to give me the information you, I need? And I was like, I think I just gave you your intention. Like, you have the information. You just don't have the name. Make up the story. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, like, that was an uncomfortable experience. If you're fighting me on the direction in this room, how do I know you're not going to fight a, an actual director on set? Um, and I probably won't bring you in again because of all of those things. Mm. So mm-hmm. those are, like, I'm sure I've had other sh- shitty <laughs> things happen in a space, but, like, the, it's also kind of fresh, so I remember it the most. Yeah. And it was also the most jarring of like, what? Right. That I just make, what? <laughs> gave you exactly what to do. You're right. welcome, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll wrap this up with my last question, yes. which is, what do you wish actors knew? And this can be a big little thing or a small little thing, and it can be multiple things. But oh. what do you wish that actors maybe just starting out in L.A. or working actors in this town knew? I think the starting out in L.A. part, it's, it's incredibly important to find your community, one, um, because unfortunately there are a lot of people here that are, that are here to take advantage of the new actors and to take their money and it sucks and I wish I could do something about it. Don't worry. I got you. (laughs) It's my mission. (laughs) Yes. Um, so I think, you know, it's, find the areas in Hollywood that have the, the actor community super present. I mean, you know, go to the complex, go, go to UCB, like anywhere that you can find that community and start talking to people and throwing, you know, the things that you're thinking of doing 
obviously, and, and I think I get asked a lot of like which classes to take and this mm-hmm. and that. And I have a really hard time with it because I personally have never gone to an acting class to audit it. Um, and I just, I just don't have be, time. People would be right. on their best behavior. Right. But it's also, everybody learns differently. Mm-hmm. So how can I, like, who am I to tell you how you should learn? Yeah. Um, I, acting class is also a very touchy. People take it like church in LA yeah. sometimes. So I think just, just, I just have a hard time it. with that. So it's mm-hmm. like, if go do your homework, do the auditing yourself, see what would jives for you the most. Like mm-hmm. talk to the people in your community and make sure it's kosher and it's not just a scam. And that that's a, I think that's a huge part for me. Um, and actors that are working, it's the idea I th- we touched on a little of like, we're not the bad guys. Like we're here, we're rooting for you. We want you to succeed. We want the next person that walks in to be the person Mm -hmm. and we're bummed when it's not. So it's, you know, it sucks, but it's, I think having that mentality that it's now or never is it, it's going to, it's going to be a detriment to yourself. Um, so I think that's a huge thing. And also to not get discouraged because it's a, it's a numbers game. It's like, you have to be out there long enough where you get to know, the casting offices and they get to know you on a personal level and, you know, get to know your work and what you're capable of. So it's not always, it's, it's very rarely going to happen on the first time. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy because there's so many actors here and, you know, and thankfully there's a lot more work now because of all the different platforms and, yeah. you know, and also we have all of the, the schools in the, our backyard here in LA specifically, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not working with, television then go make because when I was an assistant and associate I was casting thesis films and stuff like that so if you're not getting into those offices introduce yourself to the assistant or associate in who's who is casting the UCLA thesis film or the AFI you know Mm -hmm. so it's like using those opportunities that are here to make waves and introductions and and get you know I mean grad student films are like professional grade movies beautiful out here yeah so i think it's just using what you have access to yeah Mm. that's me that was really (laughs) lovely we're just gonna stop it there i have could ask you a hundred more questions but we should probably wrap it up because it's saturday afternoon i'm sure you should go relax because you've been working all day Mm -hmm. um thank you so so much if people want to oh actually if people people love to like Postcards, emails, da, da 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 Do you have any opinion on any of those things? Um, yeah. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to give my email out here. Right, right, um, p- Postcards. Don't. <laughs> don't. Um, postcards, I think everybody has a different opinion about them. I am a nomad, and I never am in the same place for very long, so I suggest don't send me anything um, via mail because it won't get to me, and then you're just wasting your money, and I don't want that. Cool. So, no. Um, I do – I have started doing this thing – uh, on Fridays this year where I do a Q&A on my Instagram through the, the Instagram feed, like the stories. Phenomenal. Yeah. So I Like put, an Instagram live kind of thing or like a stories? Stories. Where you at? Yeah, because I'm not going to do shit live. Let's be real. <laughs> like I need to have... You're public speaking. Got it. That and like I need to have the flexibility in my schedule to just <laughs> when I've got a moment down, I can answer a question. Oh, this is great though. Yeah. So What's your Instagram? My handle is at jshermy, S-H-E-R-M-Y. Cool. And so the little question box goes up late on Thursday night and is up all Friday, and I usually finish all of the questions I are, that are asked. Sometimes there's one or two that I don't get to. Cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Guys, go follow her because that's an incredible resource. Um, thank you so much for doing this again. My pleasure. Guys, I'll talk to you in just a bit. 
And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Jessica, thank you so much for your time and really candid answers. I learned a shit ton and I hope you guys did too. If you found a single part of this helpful, please go to the Apple Podcasts app on your phone or to SoundCloud and rate and review the podcast. It takes like 10 seconds and it makes the biggest difference to me um, on the whole. So please go do that um, when you have a second. Also, thank you for sticking around to the end of the episode to get the solo episode topic for this Thursday. So on Wednesday night, I will... be recording a podcast discussing my thoughts on casting director workshops, staying in touch, and keeping your own personal database for this business. If you have any thoughts on this at all, your opinions on casting director workshops, places that have worked well for you, how you keep track of casting directors you've been in for, how you keep a personal database, please, please email me at the One Broke Actress website or respond to the Sunday email you will get in your inbox. Hopefully you got it today. Um, or you can contact me on Instagram at One Broke Actress or at Sam Valentine. Regardless, there will be a solo episode on Thursday for you to listen to on this topic. So I will talk to you later this week. <laughs> <laughs>